<laughs> Poor bats! That champagne went right to your head. Now you'll miss the big countdown. This is Alex. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. How's that? That sounded good to me. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm glad because, you know, this is our first episode of 2016. And we got to start it off on a good note because we can't, we can't jinx ourselves. Right, Tim? Especially when we got a new name that we yeah. got to get established. I got to admit... Oh, sent a little weird not hearing Timmy Time in the Batman Revolution, but <laughs> I'll get oh. used to it. Yeah, you had a year, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it was the same thing back in twenty, early twenty fifteen, when you didn't say Batman's without pants and socks in a fifty two inch waist. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> now that I think, yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, but it seems like every time we get used to a name, it's already time to change it. Yeah, that's true. I think we should get used to Alex pretty quickly, though. Yeah, so like it's just one word. Hey everybody, this is Alex. Uh, this podcast is part of the Batman Universe pod- Podcast Network. This is episode number 99. And then boom, you're done. See? It's yeah. a lot more simpler. My name is Dave, and I'm here with Tim. <laughs> Tim, say hello. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> See, we're getting our rehearsal done in the show, even though yeah. we already did the intro. So. <laughs> hey, you got to practice sometime, yeah. right? I mean, you, you can't just, you know... You can't just play in the World Series and not practice. Yeah, and if, one th- if we showed one thing in this podcast, it shows that we never make mistakes and that we're professional <laughs> every single one. 99 or 98 episodes, and now we're going to 99. We're, gonna, we're perfect on all of them. Yeah. So with that being said, I guess we can get into our first Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary for 2016. Let's do it. And Even though I should say it's technically still... 2015 because we're recording this on new year's eve don't break the illusion dane we had everyone going (laughs) i was gonna say it would have been nice if we ended the year on an hour into the commentary well we're so close that we were nine minutes off but yeah or nine episodes off yeah (laughs) they get to be too uh choosy when you're doing a minute by minute commentary so like yeah. making it to 51 uh, i think it's pretty darn good so i think it would, like maybe sometime in like not february like uh april will hit an hour yeah you're about right mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna well, be a big celebration that's for sure yeah yeah we're gonna you know have those party poppers yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna 
what, we're going to set those up. What everyone does on New Year's Eve, we're going to do when we hit an hour until we get the commentary. Because never before has any Batman podcast or any Batman fan never ha- has there been a minute-by-minute commentary. You see, we're breaking new ground here with this minute-by-minute commentary, and we're sticking by it. Of course we are, yep. All 245 minutes of it. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, it, it sounds a lot harder when you say how many minutes there actually are in the movie, and we're at or, 51. Or how long is this movie? Is it... Uh, it's 220-something. Or is it, did it, is it two and a half? Did it make it actual two and a half? And then when you got credits and everything, I'm not sure. Yeah, we, well, we have to do the credits. Oh, yeah, we already established because, uh, that. Yeah. That, those should be exciting commentaries. I can't wait yeah. for that. Yeah, until you see that uh, this work is not based on a fiction or a real event. Yeah. Anything, <laughs> anything is just a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, do you know anybody that stays till the end of the credits? Because that's what my parents do for every movie that they go to. Not every movie. Of course, you got to do it for all the Marvel movies. And I usually yeah, do it yeah. for Star Wars because got to show my respect for Star Wars and John Williams' score. So <laughs> that's a must. Well, I mean, maybe not The Force Awakens one. But... It's growing up, I have to say. I know Sorry. you sent me a text earlier saying, you know, it's really not <laughs> clicking with me yet. But Yeah. I mean, it's not his greatest work. <laughs> that's all I'm no, saying. It's definitely still my least out of all the seven movies. But it, there's tracks that are growing on me, I will say. There, there's nothing really that sticks out though. So, uh, Ray's theme, I think, is the one that definitely sticks out. But there's nothing like an action piece that goes with an action sequence, kind of like um, you know stuff that they played during the original trilogy, during the yeah. X-wing attack on the Falcon and Battle of Hoth and Endor, stuff like that. There's nothing memorable for those type of sequences, but. Yeah, I mean, the the only one that really sticks out to me is um, that song that's called uh, That Girl with the Staff. Mm, okay. Yeah, I really like that one, but I mean, I want to say I like the, um, the, uh, the, the, oh, what's the name of that song, Tim? Uh, Off the new soundtrack, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the, um, the one at the end, uh, Oh, the Jedi steps. Yeah, the Jedi steps. Yeah, that yeah. that just might be my favorite track. Uh, but the thing the... about that is, John Williams ended uh, Revenge of the Sith the same way. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> with, uh... I love it when the movies end with the Force theme. It goes so good. Yeah, I know, but he did the same thing over again. But it fit that scene though. It really. Yeah, it I did. couldn't imagine any other piece of music playing during that scene. Where was that scene shot? It was in a place in Ireland called Skellig Michael. That it, place is beautiful. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to shoot there. Like, there's a lot of stuff you have to go through just to get the okay to shoot there, which is why they shot um, some stuff for episode eight already back in September there, because I think that was the only time they were able to. So. Yeah, yeah, because it's like a, like a, not a Buddhist monastery, uh, like a, a Catholic. Yeah, I forget Thanks. exactly what it is, but it is something yeah. that everybody like, it like takes a very seriously thing. there. Mm. Yeah, you got to yeah. make sure you don't disturb any of the birds or animals that are there. Oh, it's protected? Mm. Yeah. Wow. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Dark Knight Rises is a minute-by-minute commentary, so get your beta tape, get your VHS, get uh, 
your HD DVD, get your Blu-ray. I mean, not your Blu-ray. That's still good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get your uh, Betamax. Uh, your what projector. Else? Projector. Your um, ultraviolet, whatever that thing was called. See, that's not a dead media. I always say I still use it. Yeah, you and who else? <laughs> There's other people, trust me. Okay. I think I did that once with uh, the first uh, Star Trek film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the the J.J. Abrams. Um, well, what else am I missing, Tim? I think you got everything. Okay. You know, I don't want to set this by the wayside and screw us up for the rest of the year. Of course not, because like I said before, we're perfect. I think this was a perfect intro to the <laughs> minute by minute commentary. <laughs> anyway, yeah, j- just get your media. We're we're on the fifty first minute, breaking new ground here. Um, we're going from minute fifty one to fifty two, so just queue up your media. And Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's break some ground. <laughs> All right, three, two, one, hit play. John Blake and Foley in awe of the bat. Did he really think that he was going to catch bat? I know. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty cocky. That was kind of a negative in this movie. Uh, Commissioner Gordon in a bed. Yeah. Separated from uh, Batman. Yeah. Did I get such an idiot here? Do <laughs> <laughs> I got some girls here? <laughs> <laughs> And pretty much our first look of seeing how awesome and Hathaway was as Catwoman in this movie. Yeah. And even though it's, you know, I guess a cheesy line, cat got your tongue, it's still worked. <laughs> he was speechless at this moment. And we're going to end on a cliffhanger. Oh, uh, no. What's going to happen to that to her head. Will she get out? This seems like the end of a Batman 1966 episode. Will Catwoman <laughs> get out of this mess alive? Stay tuned. Same bat time. Same bat channel. <laughs> but I doubt what's it was a, anything as violent. Channel, <laughs> I was going to say, I doubt it was anything as violent as a gun pointed to a character's head in that show. But <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, you said, what's a bat channel? Yeah, what's well, a Batman? <laughs> well, I'm sure Batman and has how, his own network going on. And how would you know to tune in or, or what channel to tune in on? <laughs> I mean, it could be like Channel 5 or whatever. And then, you know, it was but ABC, they don't say right? Channel 5. I believe it was on ABC, though. The series. Right, right, right. But like, they, they say Bat Channel. They don't say, they, they don't say, you know, come back next week. And tune in to ABC to see what happens, you know. <laughs> if they assumed everyone was smart enough to remember what channel they were watching. Well, there was only like three of them back then. So, okay. <laughs> you couldn't get lost too much. Yeah, you just had to know the time. Again, was, that time. Which was so, that time, yeah. yeah what, time, what time would that be? What time was that series on? What, would you think like eight or seven, something around there, prime time? Yeah, like seven or eight. Yeah, I would imagine I so. Think so. Well, it was a lot more conservative back then, so. I remember when I first saw the series when it was in syndication back in like 1989, first getting exposed yeah. to it, it was on Fox, I believe, at five o'clock. Truly? Really? Yeah, that's when I first started seeing it. 
maybe those uh, maybe they did that because uh, or for the uh, senior citizens because <laughs> like that's you figure, pretty late like, for them yeah yeah it's pretty late you know you get the early bird special at Denny's and then you <laughs> can go home and you know watch something from your childhood five o'clock was like the time slot for Batman shows on Fox because 1992 that's where Batman the Enemy series slotted in five o'clock yeah yeah, you see, I because I grew up where I grew up, I never um, had that sort of connection with time mm-hmm. because it would always come on later. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Definitely. You always get things late. Yeah, yeah. Because it would, it either come on later or it would come on when I was at school. <laughs> so well, that's messed up. That's a messed up childhood, Dean. I'm sorry. What's even like Saturday morning cartoons? Like all you people from the mainland talk about it, and the only Saturday morning cartoons I could watch were on um, like Nickelodeon and at the time uh, Disney Channel because they would come on at like two o'clock in the morning. My time. So, so did you, you tried to stay up and watch some stuff, right? I mean, you had to watch some uh, type of cartoons. I mean, I was a kid. I mean, I could stay up. <laughs> but you would sneak in the front room or something while your parents were sleeping and watch some cartoons late at night? No, not really. Uh, well, well, I mean, um, I used to do that for uh, Toonami because I remember Toonami used yeah. to come on real late. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching, you know, I think Dragon Ball Z was on Toonami. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was Tanabe's uh, What else? Gundam Wing. Yeah, Gundam. See, uh, they, during that time period, they even had Tanami. I forget what it was called. It was like late at night, too. Over here, it was like at the midnight yeah. front of it. And they show Gundam Wing uncut, which was cool. So I can't imagine what time that was on <laughs> in your era. Maybe that was like in the morning, normal time for you. I mean, two, two or three hours after. I mean, I mean, before. Sorry. Okay, so that was not too bad for you then. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you figure I was a kid. I had a bedtime that I had to go to sleep yeah. to. <laughs> you know. It'd be funny if you got up or try to sneak in late at night to watch something yeah. and your parents like come and think you're watching something bad and just find out, oh, he's just watching cartoons. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, they have a, they, that happened a couple times with, um, oh, what do you call uh, uh, Batman Returns. Oh, okay. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, not to get too graphic, but um, you know when uh, Batman and Catwoman fight for the first time and then she licks his face? Yeah. She, she's really a sexual character in that movie. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of got to like... Not that I was watching anything bad, but it was just one of those things like... like you, dri- you It's kind of like driving late at night, you know, and you're not... You know, drinking, you're not doing anything illegal, you're not speeding, and then you drive past a cop and you, you just get nervous for a second. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I hope my parents don't walk in on this one scene that I know like, would be uncomfortable. Like yeah, the one yeah, scene like, they pop in. <laughs> yeah, like when she licks his face yeah. or, or penguin bites that uh, guy's nose or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I couldn't watch that scene for like the longest time because. Uh, you know how the blood squirts out? Yeah. When he bite, 
place the guy's nose. I couldn't watch that scene for like the longest time. You see, the scene like that for me that I couldn't watch for a while as a little kid was actually from the first Batman movie when Joker goes to all those mob bosses and he uses that buzzer to burn that one guy alive <laughs> and his charred remains are just sitting there. <laughs> I couldn't watch that one for a while. Was it because you were scared or was it because your parents? No, it was because my parents didn't want me seeing that. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing with <laughs> uh, the Penguin scene and Batman Returns. And <laughs> now when you look back on it, how, it's, like it's not even that bad. Yeah, I mean, especially how he have... gets burned. It's just like this. Like they change the color tone of the film for that. It's like, like, a, really, it's like a really bad effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, um, Tim, why don't you tell the good people at home about our future topic for this episode? Yep, and if you've been listening to our show for several years, you'll have a good idea what it is. It's our annual Batman year in review, and of course, we're going to be looking back at 2015. And I remember back in our last year in review episode, we were saying, well, we'll see how 2015 is for Batman, because we were supposed to get Batman v Superman, but it got got pushed back, and hopefully there will be some cool stuff this year for Batman. And I have to say, even without... Batman v Superman, there was plenty of cool Batman stuff to get excited about. I mean, we got a new Arkham game, which was awesome. We did get some cool trailers for Batman v Superman, and then, of course, cool comic stories and a great animated DVD with uh, Batman vs. Robin, which I thought was really cool. So definitely a lot of stuff to keep us Batmans <laughs> occupied for the year as we eagerly await 2016 for obvious reasons. But as always, we're going to go through some of our best comics our favorite artists our favorite single issue favorite overall moment or batman experience and then of course we got to do some of the negatives <laughs> of the year the stuff we were disappointed in so go ahead and kick off like we always do with the best comic writer of 2015 and for me i'm gonna do something a little different because usually we just say who our favorite writer is and the reasons why and all that but this time i'm gonna kind of do a little nominations list while i was thinking about it some names popped into my head, which were my favorites, and I had to pick one, but I, it's fun to give the other names a shout-out, too. So the top three I had for Best Friday 2015 was Peter Tomasi, who earlier in the year I thought did a great job with uh, Batman and Robin telling the story of Damien when he got superpowers and came back to life. I was a little skeptical about that at first, but there were some great issues in there and some great, I think, characterization moments between Damien and Bruce and that whole arc that I thought was really good. And plus he did that awesome Justice League Dark Side War Batman comic that I just raved about a few issues ago. So Peter Tomasi definitely had a good 2015 for Batman, in my opinion. And then we got Jeff Johns, who did Batman uh, Earth 1 Volume 2, which I loved, and then he's doing some cool stuff with Justice League. And then, of course, Scott Snyder, what he said earlier in the year with Endgame. And then, like I know I said, he's been hit and miss with the current story arc now with Gordon as Batman. But will he pull out my favorite of the year? I know he's been in the past. And my favorite writer of 2015 is, yes, no surprise, it's going to be Scott Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the long, drawn-out, you know, drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) The reason that put him over the top was Batman number 40, the final issue for Endgame. I mean, I absolutely loved that issue. It was a, so great and it capped off a great story. And doing, and also, I know, like I said, Batman is currently right now, this arc has been hit and miss, but there's that one issue, Batman 44, that was a flashback. He did that with uh, Brian Azzarello. 
And that one was awesome too. So he had two standout stories this year, but mainly for Endgame. That's what set him over the top. So once again, Scott Snyder takes the top prize in my 2015 favorite writer. Last year was Kyle Higgins for Batman Beyond, but she definitely deserved. But what Snyder did with that Endgame story, I think he definitely deserves to be my favorite writer of 2015. So that's mine. Dane, what was yours for 2015? I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to Scott change Snyder, things well, up. thank you, Dane. That's a great yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to change things up. Um, you know, I we we kind of pride ourselves in not being too negative, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And with this, uh, this year, this past year, nothing really impressed me at all uh, with the comics. Nothing really stuck out. There was no real artist that stuck out. There was no real story that stuck out. I mean, yeah, you can give it to Scott Snyder, but to me, if you look back at his previous, like all everything, everything else that he did for Batman, it, it doesn't really stack up. This year, in particular, was a dud of a year for not only Scott Snyder, not only for the Batman title, but for all Batman comics. For me, mm. nothing. Nothing really stuck out. It, I mean, I, I tried to think of something. I tried to, you know, go back and, you know, listen to our old podcast. I tried to, you know, think of something, but I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't find something that really stuck out that was, you know, the, the best story of the year or the best writer of the year, you know. So obviously you disagree with me on Endgame, <laughs> which yeah. I'm hurt by. <laughs> well, a bit, a bit. It was a good story. It just, if you if you think about all the Scott Sanders' other works, it it, it it just doesn't stack up to it. I strongly disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's better than Court of Owl or Zero Year, but I think I enjoyed it better than Death of the Family. Or Death of the yeah. Family, or I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah, Death of the Family, which yeah, I really liked a lot, too. You know, what I think the problem is, is I think Scott Snyder is going too big with his stories nowadays. You know, it's uh, Bruce doesn't know he's Batman anymore. Gordon's not Batman, and he has to, you know, figure out how to be Batman and all of this stuff. You know, it's... I think for I mean he's not going to do it, but for you, you know for 2016 I think you should you know instead of doing this big whole game changing story he should just do a simple smaller story like he used to do. But I would agree I mean, with that. I think it's about time for that in 2016, especially when you got Batman v Superman coming out. We know Bruce is coming back as Batman in that time, right. so that would be the perfect time to do something a little smaller. But maybe. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm scared that I'm just, you know, just being that old man and uh, <laughs> just being like, oh, his good stuff. I mean, his new stuff isn't as good as his old stuff, you know? Sure. Well, obviously, you're entitled to your opinion, even though yeah. I strongly disagree. <laughs> but if I, I had to pick something, I'd say Scott Sander with that game, like you. I was just going to say, maybe you should reread the whole Endgame as like one arc. <laughs> maybe that'll change your mind with it. Yeah, maybe. Last issue. Yeah, maybe that's the problem, you know? 
But hey, we can't change the way you feel. So <laughs> better to be honest than to be a phony. So so in summation, I guess this is a Tim's best of the year, worst of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, and nothing stuck out to you. <laughs> I mean, at least for the comics, you know. Yeah, I will say too. I'm kind of in the same boat as far as comics. I mean, I didn't read the only main books I read was Batman, Detective, and uh, Batman and Robin, and that ended. And well, we had Batman Eternal in the beginning of the year, but yeah. I kind of said how I felt about that <laughs> when we were doing all those. So yeah, and that was kind of like a big nothing. So yeah. I mean, so I kind of know where you're coming from, but it's definitely from what we're used to with all these really great Batman titles, it's kind of slimmed down for us, at least the ones that we're reading anyway. So, yeah, I mean, this isn't, uh, you know, trip and fall and break your leg kind of thing. Mm. It's, uh, it's kind of just like a stumble. Yeah. You know, well, for me, as far as my favorite artists that I had, of course, the standouts, of course, I got to put Greg Capullo on there. I mean, he continues to knock out of the park with, almost every issue. Then I got to give props to Jason Fabok for his Justice League uh, stuff. Uh, he's just awesome. And what he's doing with Dark Side War, pretty much every character <laughs> in the Justice League, he draws really cool. So, And great action spread pieces. So he does an awesome job there. But I'm going to give my favorite artist of the year award to Gary Frank, who did Batman Earth 1 Volume 2. And yeah, <laughs> what more can you say about Gary Frank? When he works with Jeff Johns, they're... They just do some great stuff. With he does awesome visuals to Jeff Johns' awesome storytelling. So Batman Earth One, this it's a more realistic take, more uh, grounded take on Batman. But yet there are some stuff that is you know that we're more familiar with with Croc being in there. But that all he does everything in a way that makes it believable, where it does take place in a more realistic type world. And he just has great character designs, and that Batman design is really cool. Um, even though it's one that where you can doesn't have the like white uh, lenses in there, you can just see his eyes and his pupils. I usually don't like that Batman, but when it is drawn like Gary Frank does, it looks awesome. So Gary Frank gets my top pick for a favorite artist. And then for favorite issue, rounding out the comic stuff, I'm gonna go or was between Batman 44, which I alluded to, was that flashback issue with Brian Azzarello and Scott Snyder, what I thought was phenomenal. I mean, it was a nice break between the what we're getting with the Gordon Batman stuff, and it kind of <laughs> made me want to get back into that type of Batman storytelling. So it was a nice change of pace there. And then another one that I mentioned earlier, too, Dark Side War Batman by Peter Tomasi. So that issue was just so good. I wasn't expecting it to be that good. And like I said in my review of it, it was almost like an updated version of The Untold Legend of the Batman, which everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a big fan of. It was that moment where Batman gets to confront Joe Chill and tell him everything that he created him, and he's the reason why Batman exists. And it was just a great updated version of that while Batman is sitting in the... As, was acting as Metron <laughs> in that chair. So it was a really cool issue and definitely one of my favorites. But like I said, when I picked Scott Snyder as my favorite writer, my favorite single issue this year is going to be Batman number 40, the final part to end game. And boy, yeah, not only was it a great cap off to, in my opinion, a fantastic Batman Joker story, but it was pretty much, I don't know if I'd rank it as the best, but it is one of the best final batman joker battles that we're gonna get even though we know it's not but i can kind of compare it to batman beyond return of the joker and that final battle and um that's what i always kind of had at the top but this one 
kind of rivaled it, though. I mean, it was a great way. The for not only it cemented how Batman and Joker's relationship works and why they're the greatest hero and villains to go against each other, but even on a physical uh, plane where they were going at it, there were some awesome moves they were both doing. <laughs> Joker was doing some really cool stuff. Was, he was dosed with that Dionysium that enhanced its strength and I'm able to go toe-to-toe with Batman in certain instances, but man, Batman got him good <laughs> a lot of times in that sequence. So not only was this a classic you know, Batman Joker battle where they're going against each other philosophically, telling us why they're that whole thing. They're two of the same coin. They need each other. And Batman even calls them his friend in that point. But seeing them go at it toe to toe as like Batman's equal <laughs> with Joker was just an added bonus to that, which I thought was really cool. So when you throw that in with the story that was told with Snyder, I just loved how he had that mystery going on. Is Joker actually an immortal has he been around for ages and this added to that weirdness and creepiness of the joker that you don't know if he's telling the truth but yet you kind of think about it well maybe it is true but it just all played out great and then led up to that final battle and confrontation and even though we knew they're both weren't going to stay dead for long even that issue we kind of see bruce already uh walking down the street so i was actually glad it did that it didn't try to fool you and think oh bruce is really dead because we everybody knows he's coming back like i said so but might as well just get out of the way establish he's still alive and again like the best part of what he's doing in this new arc is the bruce stuff where he no longer has his memory and is living a life that truly makes him happy without batman so what it set up there at the end of that issue and how it continued on there was definitely some cool stuff with bruce that Again, it's stuff we haven't seen before with him, and so far I'm really enjoying, even though we know the outcome. But it should be interesting to see what draws him back into Batman. That's just something I hope he can pull off, because it opens something not too cheesy and familiar that we've seen before. And knowing Scott Snyder, I think he's going to do something different that would hopefully make it work where everyone's has that great, like, oh, yeah, moment that Batman's back. So we'll have to wait and see, but it all started from that final issue of Batman 44. So that's why it's going to get my top pick for my favorite issue of the year. But that's it for the favorite comic stuff. But now, favorite overall Batman moment or experience. So, Dane, I'll throw it over to you. I mean, we had some big stuff this year. <laughs> Which was your favorite moment that stood out to you the most? Um, I mean, I, I know everybody's going to say uh, the Batman v Superman trailers, but I think I'm going to go with Arkham Knight. Great choice. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go with Arkham Knight because I remember waiting for that game and you know coming home early from work to start to download on it. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I forget, did you start that the night before or something? Like at midnight when it got up? I forget. Like, I remember you sending me a text late or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because it was already on the store. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, it was just a great game, and everything you, know, you could possibly ask for. Um, it was the, you know, it was the Batmobile. It was, you know, being able to fly around Gotham. Um, and it was a story, and it was the conclusion to that story. So, you know, I, I just, I just love that game. Not to mention, too, a great moment. I mean, you're right. The game as a whole is an awesome Batman moment, but just the role Joker played in that. I mean, that alone would cement it as a great Batman moment. It's hard to pick what 
because Joker had some awesome moments there. But that last battle sequence between Batman and the Joker, oh, yeah. Man. I mean, you and me gushed about it when we reviewed <laughs> that episode. But man, I can't get over how awesome. Like, what a perfect finale it was to the whole Arkham series. And again, that's going back to my thing with final Batman Joker battles. That one's up there too because even though it was more in the mind of Batman, it still played out just in an epic way that especially for that series what's been established I don't think you could ask for any more but for me um, my Arkham Knight was definitely one of my picks and then another one that I have to give an honorable mention to was seeing for the first time in Suicide Squad the reveal of Joker and Harley Quinn because we're finally going to see these two characters in live action for the first time. We got our first look at them this past year in 2015. And there were some different shots. And, of course, there was some <laughs> debate about Joker's look in this new DC extended universe. But when that one image came out, and even in the trailer, too, when we saw moments of them, it just really sold to me that, man, this is going to be so great to see these two characters on screen together. And even those set videos that came out, looks like they're establishing the relationship they have pretty well and that we know from the comics and the animated series but I believe it was in the empire magazine when they had these new pictures where they had joker and harley sitting across from each other at a table joker's in a straight jacket harley or harley and quinzel's in her doctor's coat glasses everything it's almost straight out of the animated series when i saw that i was like oh man it's really happening we're getting a joker and harley quinn on live action so i had to give props to that as being a pretty cool moment as a batman fan for me but dane i'm not going to be original here my favorite moment <laughs> in 2015 was batman this is going to be when i saw the second batman v superman trailer uh, i'm still in a buzz from it really i mean i remember waking up that morning checking my phone it was saturday of Comic-Con, Warner Brothers having their Hall H presentation, and I'm just checking Twitter, seeing the people who are there, live tweeting, waiting for that trailer, and then seeing the responses after they showed it, everyone losing their minds, and then it was so cool that Warner Brothers put it out pretty much immediately after they showed it there. And when I watched all, what, three minutes of it, man, my mouth was on the floor. This, the Batman, Superman movie I was hoping for it, looks like we're getting and that, that trailer sold me immediately i mean i was sold already but this cemented it as this is going to be something really special seeing what batman was doing <laughs> in that trailer and stuff i've always wanted to see batman do and again being really sold on ben affleck's performance and just the reason why he was cast what Zack snyder saw in him to be a good bruce wayne and batman was all laid out in that trailer i pretty much didn't have hardly any nitpicks about it i thought it was perfect so the feeling I had after seeing that just being a buzz pretty much that whole day and it's still lingering on now, <laughs> that's why it's going to be my favorite moment of the year for Batman. It just gave me a feeling that nothing else did that year. Even though we had tons of great stuff, we mentioned Arkham Knight, and like I said in the beginning, the Batman versus Robin animated movie I thought was really well done. Getting seen the Court of Owls in animation was a real thrill, and I thought they did a pretty good job of adapting it. But yeah, that trailer moment... <laughs> That's nothing's going to top that for me for the 2015, and I imagine the only thing that will top it next year is the actual movie. So, <laughs> get ready for early predictions of best moment of 2016. I think it's going to be when I'm at the first showing at 7 p.m. Thursday night. <laughs> that would be super bad. So, little sneak preview there, but yeah, it's hard for me not to go against that trailer, even though it's probably the popular choice. That uh, just blew me away, and I just can't get enough of it still to this day. You still watch it? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
even with the new trailer. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's a really great trailer, but that second one to me I thought was special. And when I see Star Wars, they show the Batman v Superman trailer. While it's awesome, part of me thinks, can they show the second one instead? <laughs> I really like that one. <laughs> well, you get to see more of Wonder Woman. That is definitely true. That is yeah. probably the one up that the third trailer has over the second one. Because that ending for it is pretty awesome. <laughs> and I still love that everyone, it gets a good reaction from the crowd and everyone cheers when Wonder Woman comes on. And it's like people don't know she's supposed to be in the movie because you hear a gas like, oh, wow, Wonder Woman. <laughs> so it's so cool to hear that, even though uh, we know as fans <laughs> for a while she's been in it. But it's good that the general audience is getting their exposure to it. That's weird, though. Like, um, people don't know that Wonder Woman's going to be in the movie, but I guess since we're kind of in this <laughs> in this world, yeah. And plus, her name not being in the title, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they get people thinking, "Oh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice." Oh, Wonder Woman's going to be in it, so that can give them the pass on that. But as long as they know before going in that she's going to be in it, because she's definitely going to be a big draw, so. I think it might be one of those things where if it all plays out right, she's going to be, you know, the character who steals the movie and people are going to be talking about her afterwards saying, oh, man, you got to see this movie because of what Wonder Woman did and Wonder Woman's role in it. And you throw that in just with Batman and Superman. I mean, come on. (laughs) You got a winning formula there if everything works out. So we'll find out in three months. But we can't have our best of 2015 without some negatives. So (laughs) now this one I have listed in our show notes as like, the worst moments of 2015, but I don't really want to call them worse because I will say nothing stood out to me that was just downright horrible and awful, at least on the comic front, like last year was when I gave that honor to uh, the final issue of Nightwing and how terrible that was. And even that five years later Batman issue, which I don't remember if it was Batman or Detective, but nothing on that level of bad, but... For my worst writer, I'm going to have to give it to Jerry Dugan and for what he wrote in Arkham Manor. Then it, I know if going back on the early episodes when I reviewed Arkham Manor this year, I was pretty positive on the first three issues and it kind of fell off at the end. But the re- main reason I'm going to single out Jerry Dugan was be- what, because the way he wrote Mr. Freeze in that story. Ah, that was like my biggest negative <laughs> of that whole issue. Mr. Freeze giving out these one-liners and being comic relief like someone in a sitcom or something. It was just so out of character. It just really took me out of the story whenever he was on there. And The total opposite of what, what we all know and love about Mr. Freeze being dead to emotions and we see him cracking jokes. It wasn't quite on the level of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, but... It was still pretty out of character, and I did not like it one bit. So, unfortunately, Jerry Dugan gets my worst writer of 2015. And for my worst artist, this was one even more than the writers. Nothing really stood out to me as being awful. But if I had to pick someone, I had to give the dishonorable mention to uh, Marchio Takara for what uh, he drew in Detective Comics 46. It was a Batman and Justice League team-up story, and the way the characters were drawn, mainly for the Justice League, it wasn't the best or not my favorite. And Batman looked okay because he was in the robot suit, but when that issue with the Justice League members, is something about it that felt a little off and just wasn't my cup of tea so i was unfortunately marco takara is going to get my worst artist of 2015 and then for my biggest uh disappointment as far as issue single issue anyway 
I'm going to have to give it to the final issue of Batman Eternal. But I got to give some type of mention for Batman Eternal because that was a big story of 2015. And boy, did that end on an anticlimactic reveal of the villain. <laughs> Remember when it was revealed that the Clue Master was the mastermind behind it? And we're all, uh, like, that's a little anticlimactic because we knew about him already, but yet it's something different because he's a lesser known villain. So I <laughs> guess it makes sense. But no. He wasn't the final villain. It was Lincoln March <laughs> in his owl costume. And I was like, oh, come on. That just topped off the red herring after red herring after red herring that series was plagued with early on. After you go through all these different villains. And even in the final issue, like, I can't help myself. I got to reveal one more villain to throw you off. And it was like, oh, come on. So that was pretty disappointing. So I'm going to give that honor to Batman Eternal number 52. So that's the disappointments for the comic front. But now just in general, my biggest disappointment in the Batman world of 2015, I had three choices. First was the last half of season one of Gotham, which, (laughs) again, I thought started off pretty good and fell apart in the end of the season. But then it's really picked up in the second season. So I'll give them marks for that. But the end of season one, it didn't leave me with a good impression. And then the animated movie Justice League Gods and Monsters. I had high hopes for that one because it was Bruce Timm coming back doing an animated movie, but it just didn't click for me, the story. There were certain good ideas in there, but other things that just didn't really grab me like I was hoping it would. But my biggest disappointment of 2015 in Batman is going to be the Batman Beyond comic. I stopped after two issues <laughs> with this series, Uh-oh. and I was so hyped up for it. I mean, the fact that we're getting the ongoing Batman Beyond story got me excited, but then I found out, oh, it's Tim Drake, not Terry. And then it was like, oh, I had to read, um, what was that story? Oh, Future's In, or I'm Gonna Be Lost. And I was kind of lost in the first few issues, so that was a downer. And then it just wasn't the Batman Beyond story I was hoping for. And I was like, I'm not into it with two issues. I'm just not even going to continue with it. So being a big Batman Beyond fan and having high hopes for this ongoing series and not living up to it, that's going to be my biggest disappointment of 2015. So that's pretty much my year in review of Batman in 2015. I thought it was a pretty good over year overall. A lot of awesome stuff, like I mentioned. But I don't know, any last words on it, Dane? Did you have any disappointments? Or from what you experienced, it was all pretty much good besides the comic front, <laughs> which you um, established was Besides the comic front, it's been a great year for uh, Batman fans, I'd say. Um, the only thing that really sticks out to me that uh, nobody really mentions, probably because it's kind of under the radar, uh, on the negative side, which is um, the DLCs for Arkham Knight. Mm-hmm. Those are just... It's literally nothing I'm interested in. <laughs> I mean, I know they're going to do this, This uh, what is it called, like Villains or Rogues or something? The Season of Infamy, which we'll yeah, talk yeah. about in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that one, that, that one doesn't really impress me. Well, hopefully I could change your tune on that when we get to that part. But I will okay. agree where the DLCs, like the... Like the Arkham episode stories, that, you know, the one for Batgirl and Red Hood, and those ones, I can kind of see what you mean, because they really don't add too much, and they're very short. Yeah. Which ones did you play on those, anyway? Because you got some free ones when you pre-ordered it, right? 
um, I got the Bad Girl, and I think I bought the season pass for it. Okay, so Bad Girl and yeah, Bad Girl and um, the Red Hood one. So I just haven't played them because (laughs) it's just nothing that I'm interested in. And you read these reviews about how you know the the game was good, but the DLC is just you know a huge miss. So. It's not really anything I'm interested in. Gotcha. Well, hopefully I'll get you interested in Season of Infamy because I think that's pretty darn good. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yep, another Batman year in the books, 2015. And now, like I said, 2016, it's going to be a big one. I mean, Batman v Superman doesn't get any bigger than that. But yet we got Suicide Squad and... Not to mention the Killing Joke animated movie coming, and hopefully some new cool comic stories on the horizon too. So as good as I thought 2015 was, not knowing what, exactly what we're going to get this year, I think 2016 is going to be even better, and expecting it to be awesome. So if one year from now we come back with our 2016 year in review, and I'm more on the negative side, boy, I'll, I will be shocked <laughs> if I am disappointed with most of the right. stuff we're going to get in 2016. So. We'll find out, but I think we're going to be in good shape. Yeah, and hopefully 2016 is is better than 2015 was for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I really hate bashing the comics because that's how I fell in love with the character, but uh, I just I, I just had to do it because it's just been a total letdown for me. Um, I don't know if it's you reviewing them and then me going in with these high expectations yeah, my overhyping them too much for you <laughs> i might have done that yeah you see I, <laughs> I mean i doubt it but i don't know i'm just hoping 2015 or 2016 is a better year um but yeah so, so i guess we can move on to our news right tim Yep, which yeah. is going to continue the Batman v Superman theme. Yeah, because we're going to get a new su- uh, a new Suicide Squad uh, trailer and our first Wonder Woman um, footage. I guess it'd be a teaser, right? Yeah, I'm wondering. I mean, it says footage, but I'm wondering if it's going to be like behind the scenes shots. Maybe we'll see them filming. A, oh, maybe some, like a documentary yeah. type thing. Hopefully, yeah, it's so, actual footage. So we're going to get that during the. Um, what is it, Tim? Is it the uh, uh, the the CW yeah, shows? It's the premiere uh, or the Arrow return the of Flash. Yeah, but um, they're gonna have two specials afterwards. It's on January nineteenth. They're gonna be a special sneak peek at DC's Legend of Tomorrow, which is a half hour, and then after that is gonna be a special sneak peek at Batman v Superman, and then they're gonna have behind the scenes look, cast interviews, and that's where they're gonna show the new Suicide Squad trailer and the Wonder Woman footage, kind of, I guess, preparing you for the whole new DC extended universe. So regardless of, I mean, it's cool we're getting the Suicide Squad trailer and first footage of Wonder Woman. I'm just excited we're getting the behind-the-scenes special on Batman v Superman. I don't think they do that enough for movies now. Remember back in the day, they used to get that all the time, especially for the early Batman stuff. The the one for Batman Returns I used to watch over and over and over again <laughs> before the movie came out. I always like that stuff to get you hyped for the movie before it released. So I'm glad they're doing it again for this one. Hopefully it's a trend that continues. And I wish Star Wars did it. They didn't have any special like that for The Force Awakens. They didn't really have anything for yeah, The Force Awakens. Because I remember when uh, Revenge of the Sith uh, was going to come out, like 
everybody had something like mm-hmm. i remember even mtv had something yep that's right they're at the skywalker ranch doing something yeah yeah or i think it was a special screening and there yeah. was a bunch of fans lined up mm-hmm. yep that's right yeah yeah for this they just had the cast and jj abrams make the rounds on talk shows and do interviews that's about it but no like documentary special or anything yeah so hopefully hopefully we get something more for the batman v superman uh stuff yeah i think it should be pretty cool i can't wait for it all right so let's hear about the season of infamy tim yes hopefully i can change your mind on it and okay make you download it and try it out because we'll see we'll see this is by far the best arkham knight dlc we've gotten yet and especially if you have the season pass i think it's a no-brainer for you dane just to download it at least try it because what it is, it's new uh, Most Wanted missions that you do in the main campaign. And it focuses on, there's four of them. One's on Killer Croc, Mad Hatter, Rachel Ghoul, and Mr. Freeze. And I have to say, pretty much all of them were awesome. <laughs> the two were better than others, but for the most part, all of them are really, really good. And just like as good as the other side quests you did when you were playing the main game. And I actually just downloaded it. Um, last week and played through it over the weekend and earlier this week and I just fell in love with those missions and <laughs> made me really want to talk about it on the show so that's how much it impressed me and I'll just give a quick rundown of those missions and if you haven't played them yet spoiler alert and I won't spoil too much on what happens on a certain story because especially if you're going to play a Dane I think it adds to, to the enjoyment if you experience it firsthand so um, the Killer Croc one is pretty basic um, he hijacks uh, a prison, which was an air prison, and you have to go find out uh, or pretty much stop him and why he's doing it. And it's actually a story that kind of makes you on the side of Croc and want him to succeed. But in the end, you know, you got to take him down. So, But I thought that was a pretty good twist on it. And Croc looks, I mean, he's becoming more and more a monster, <laughs> even more than Arkham uh, Asylum when we first saw him because they've been doing experiments on him and he his tail's bigger he has more spikes hanging out of his skin he almost looks like a smaller version of Godzilla but it was a pretty cool sequence and then the Mad Hatter one when we played Arkham City I loved the Mad Hatter missions because it was all trippy and those psychedelic dream levels which were like the Scarecrow ones from the first one I loved those type of missions in the Arkham games and I was hoping for that in this one and while it doesn't start out that way, you definitely play a sequence like that at the end, which was a pretty different um, type of gameplay experience, at least visually, that we haven't seen before in the Arkham games, which I got a kick out of. It was like you're playing through a storybook and Mad Hatter's flipping the pages, and visually it looked awesome. Nothing too unique about the gameplay of it, but it's just really cool. And like I said, the graphics that were done with it and the visual presentation that was played out for that sequence I thought was really fun. So those two were great, but then the highlights of the season of Infamy got to be the Rachel Ghoul and the Mr. Freeze one. Now, Mr. Freeze, this is where I don't want to give too much spoilers on, but it's the Arkham version of the Mr. Freeze Nora story that gets a conclusion. And we've seen conclusion to the story in the animated series. And even though <laughs> we don't like to recognize it, even Batman and Robin had a conclusion to the Mr. Freeze Nora story. But what the guys at Arkham Knight did in wrapping up their story was something different that I wasn't expecting, but yet it was really good. It was, uh, it's an emotional ending. I'll say that, but it's, plays out the way I did not expect it to once you kind of get near the end of that mission. So 
I think it's worth it just to play that Mr. Freeze one. Because I like the way they did Mr. Freeze in the Arkham game, starting with Arkham City, and then the Arkham Origins DLC that had the origins of Mr. Freeze, which was pretty cool. And this one wraps it up uh, pretty beautifully, I have to say. So that one was awesome. But then I have to say my favorite was the one with Rachel Ghoul, because uh, the League of Assassins are trying to bring him back, but there is kind of a split between them, and Rachel Ghoul's other daughter, Nissa, is trying to stop the other. League of Assassins to bring back Rachel Gould because she thinks he should stay dead. And you're forced at the end, it's fun to play, but then you're forced with a decision, which you don't get that much in the Arkham games. So whether you decide to save Rachel Gould or end them once and for all, and that's up to you. So <laughs> I had to sit there for a little bit and contemplate my decision because you got people telling you different things on what you should do and just as a batman fan and you just think oh man what should i do like do i stay true to the character and do not kill or for the greater good end rachel ghoul because he survived a lot longer than he should have so it was a great moral dilemma that was put against you know i thought that was a really smart choice to do for that type of mission so yeah i highly recommend Anyone who, especially have the season pass, to give these missions a try, especially the Mr. Freeze and Rachel Ghoul ones. Those are definitely the top, uh, most fun for me anyway to play. So, if I had to rate this DLC, I would give it four and a half out of five because I just want more of it. <laughs> it was great to play more missions in the main map in the campaign of the game. So, and an added bonus too, playing in the dark knight christian bale costume was super super cool <laughs> that looked amazing <laughs> so getting to do missions and seeing cutscenes with that costume was pretty darn awesome so yeah dane i highly recommend you play the that season of infamy dlc at least the mr freeze and rachel go ones all right i'll try it too yes please do. i'll try it <laughs> i, I want to hear your reactions to it <laughs> on our next episode all right well anyway uh, i I guess we can just get into the comic book reviews because uh, Alex didn't send in an email for this one, nor did anybody else. So <laughs> I guess we're unwanted. <laughs> unwanted. Yes, we don't, uh, we're not loved anymore. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> shed a tear. <laughs> All right. Well, we're uh, we're gonna spoil the crap out of them. So if you haven't read your books yet, you might want to come back to this part later. Um, but for this episode, we're we're reviewing Batman Europa Europa number two. And The Dark Knight 3, number 2. So, uh, our rating scale is going to be... Dang about, it, what should it be? How about uh, Batman comic disappointments for day 2015? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good one. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so so why don't you... Um, why don't you start with Dark Knight number th- uh, 3, Dark Knight 3, number 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mouthful when you got to say the title yeah, has the number, uh, and then you got to say the issue number. <laughs> Okay, Dark Knight number three, and for the first part, uh, part of this, or see, I'm already getting tongue tied. Yeah, different number. <laughs> well, you just did it. You said Dark Knight number three. Yeah, Dark Knight number three. three. Oh wait, Dark Knight three number one. <laughs> number two. No, but I was gonna talk about number one real quick. Oh, okay. Say my reaction to that one was like kind of down the middle. Nothing really grabbed me as far as you know being a next great story in the series, but I was intrigued by the end where Carrie Kelly was revealed to be the one in the Batman costume and she gets arrested by the police. And this is where issue number two picks up where she's being interrogated by the commissioner. 
And what I really liked about it is just showing how cool Carrie Kelly has become in the years since the first Dark Knight story, where she's just not this nerdy little kid anymore being Robin. I mean, she's been under the tutelage of Batman for a while, and it's showing she's not intimidated by being interrogated. If anything, she's the one being more (laughs) – or the one people are intimidated of when they talk to her. So I thought that was really cool. I like what they're doing with Carrie Kelly. But in her interrogation, they're trying to find out what happened to Bruce Wayne because she's saying he's dead, and they want to know what happened. And she tells a story of um, – she doesn't say who it was. She just says a toad of a man pretty much beat Bruce Wayne up to a pole. And there's this really graphic image of Batman getting punched in his face. It's just all messed up. It's almost a little too cartoony. You see the tooth flying out of his mouth. That took me back a little bit. But I guess it had to drive home the point of Batman really getting beat up. And there was a really great moment where as she's telling the story where she's – sitting with Bruce as he's lying on his deathbed pretty much and she's holding his hand being there for him in the end and he tells her how you know I actually took solace in knowing that my parents died together and I always figured I would die alone so I'm happy you're here with me at the end and you know as she slowly he slowly loses the grip on her hand and you see uh, like the Batman's pulse slowly fading away until it shows that he's dead and she's crying over him. So I thought that was a nice moment between Batman and Carrie Kelly, knowing where their relationship started from the first Dark Knight story. So that was really cool. And then the other part of the story is focusing on the Adam and Superman and Wonder Woman's daughter, Laura, trying to bring back the citizens of the bottle city of Kandor. So it goes back between Ray Palmer trying to use his technology to bring them back to Carrie Kelly being transported in a police escort. And this is a pretty cool sequence where um, the police SWAT van gets shot and knocked over. And once you turn the page, it gets revealed it's the classic Dark Knight Returns Batmobile, the big tank. <laughs> and of course, she makes the point to say it's the, the shot it hit the van was not fatal. Everyone's going to be all right. But it was a great panel or just a, the whole splash page of the Batmobile in front. It was pretty cool to see it again. It was a great reveal, I have to say. And then you see police cars chasing it. And Carrie Kelly is escaping on it, but you don't know where she's at because as the SWAT officer checks inside, there's no one there. And it gets revealed that she's actually underneath it, <laughs> like a secret compartment. While it's driving, it's not crushing her or anything. She's able to stay safe in the compartment underneath the Batmobile, which was pretty cool. So that was a pretty awesome action sequence. Again, showing how far Carrie Kelly has come from her early Robin days. But then it gets revealed at the end, Ray Palmer has figured out how to bring back the... Uh, citizens of Kandor, and he's going to restore him back to size using his technology. So he takes him to this wide open landscape in the desert, and he brings it back. But when he does, you see in one panel him shed a tear, and he's like, oh no. And he sees there's tons of dead Kandorians, but some that are alive. And it, he pretty much brings back this, I don't know, this religious leader, it seemed like, uh, megalomaniac type character who it looks like his him and his followers uh, killed a bunch of the other citizens of Kandor and he's being regarded as Kandor's savior and they I don't know if they actually killed Ray Palmer because there's an instance where they make him shrink and the person Ray Palmer was talking to in Kandor squashes him and it says crush in the panel but I like to think somehow Ray Palmer survived so we'll see what his fate is but it's looking like this is what's being referred to as the master race in the title because the Kandorians are saying, you know, it's their right to rule the universe, but first we're going to start 
with the Earth, and they're displaying their Kryptonian powers that they have now that they're out of the bottle city of Kandor. But then the issue ends in a pretty cool way as we see Carrie Kelly make her way back to the Batcave, and we see someone staring at a computer. And, of course, Bruce Wayne's not dead. He faked his death again, it seems like. Or it was just Carrie Kelly telling the story. I'm not sure yet. We'll see if that gets revealed. But we just see Bruce turn his head as Carrie Kelly uh, walks into the cave, and the issue ends there. So I have to say, this issue turned a corner for me on the story. I got more invested in it. I like what they're doing with Carrie Kelly. I thought she had some really cool moments. And then I am interested in... And if Batman and Kerry Kelly are going to have to take on these uh, Kryptonians from Kandor, and we'll see how Superman and Wonder Woman get involved. So it's picking up steam for me with this second issue. It was a fun read. So I'm going to give Dark Knight 3, issue number two, four out of five Batman comic disappointments that Dane had in 2015. So still the same for me. That is your (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Dane, I'm, I'm starting to feel I'm losing you on Batman comics. <laughs> You're slipping away. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe after like a year or so, when you hear my good reviews from that dies down, you forgot if I like it or not. You, you can read them again and judge them from yourself. <laughs> so to not have this big hype around it that I build up too much, and maybe maybe that'll help. Or maybe I need to read it collected. Yeah. <laughs> That seems to help for some people. I know that just to read it as yeah. one whole story does give you a better idea. So, yeah. Well, once the series ends, and if I'm still on a high opinion of it, maybe you should collect it and see what you think of it. Yeah. But Batman Europa number two. Now, this one, like I said, for the first issue of this, a lot of it felt a little too familiar to the Arkham games where Batman and Joker are dealt with this virus and now uh, they got to work together. And this one. I'm a little mixed on it. There was, I, like I said, I was, I was interested in seeing the dynamic Batman and Joker would have as they're working together as a team. Some of it was kind of, it was fun to see, but then at the same time, I thought it was maybe played up for laughs a little bit too much. I mean, the, like I said, the rivalry between Batman and Joker is the stuff of legends, <laughs> pretty much. And to see them kind of... It's, it's going back to that sitcom analogy I used for Mr. Freeze with uh, Arkham Manor. Some of the jokes and dialogue they had with each other just felt a little something that was too comedic than, than I'd like to see. I know it's the Joker, and he's going to crack jokes, but just the way Batman would tell him, you know, like, shut up or hush, be quiet, that type of stuff. It just sounded, I don't know, a little too on the nose, you know, trying to establish that they're so different. He's going to be funny, and, you know, Batman's all moody. He's not going to have it. I was kind of hoping... See, what I, there's my problem. The way I think the Joker worked best when he was working with Batman and Robin was what Grant Morrison did when he... Granted, he was fooling him as that Oberon Sexton character, but I think that's something Joker would do, show how serious he can be and really acting like a smart guy and trying to help him out. And that worked really good. Just, again, shows the more twistedness of the Joker when it reveals that it wasn't really him. This one is just, you know, the Joker being the more playful Joker getting under Batman's skin. So it was a bit of a mixed bag for me on that front. But um, they're in uh, Prague right now trying to lure out the Trojan horse who gave him this virus. And they have uh, the computer tech uh, who they uh, met in the first issue. I believe her name was Nina. And they're kind of having her out to draw the Trojan horse out to try to catch him. And they're in this parade. It's kind of like the Mardi Gras of Prague. And you see different people in costumes and stuff. So 
this uh, woman Nina gets attacked by these robots and from the Trojan horse, and she gets kidnapped. And Batman and Joker have to try and save her. And but before, uh, see, this is the stuff I kind of like where Batman's you know saying we got to get to her. Like Joker, like you stay here, but he's gone already. And he's like, oh, Joker actually moved faster than me. But when Batman comes out, because they were both in the sewer waiting for his signal, so when they get onto the streets. Batman sees Joker. He already killed someone, and Batman's like, oh, "More blood on the Joker's hands." When we should be, you know, trying to help this girl who's trying to help us get rid of this virus. But Batman is trying to take down these robots before they can capture her. And there was a pretty fun action sequence as we see these robots that are made of wood, which visually, I have to say, look pretty cool. Batman's taking them down, but because he's sick, he's not as fast as he should be. And Joker ends up helping him or saving the girl at least for a little bit with his knife which is part of the dynamic i like seeing between batman and joker them fighting together when when you least expect joker to help he does something to actually help which i found pretty fun to see so pretty much this whole issue was batman and joker taking down these robots because they lead them down to the lair where the girl's captured and we still don't have the reveal yet of who's pulling the string and who's the trojan horse but he's using uh this scientist who's uh robots are attacking batman so they go to their hideout but then they're attacked by an even bigger robot who swallows up joker <laughs> inside the body and just leaves batman to try to take it down it's a, a, ro- a robot that has tons of fire capabilities and has fire coming out of his arms like his back <laughs> his hands so it's pretty much something batman can get pretty close to but it turns out from the inside joker's able to take the robot down and kind of mess it up a little bit which allows batman to kick it into the water to deactivate it so pretty much my favorite aspect of the comics was seeing batman and joker work together in their fighting and how joker actually <laughs> saved batman on occasions and joker even says it like you don't even want to say that i saved you and, and all that kind of sticking it to him so that stuff was pretty good but then the issue ends with them saying they have to go to another city, which is going to be in Paris. So it's basically Batman and Joker uh, traveling around Europe, hence in the title Batman Europa. So there were some fun moments in here, but not quite the Joker-Batman team-up story I was hoping. The comedy on it sent a little too on the nose for me. So this one I'm going to give two and a half out of five Batman comic disappointments that Dane had in 2015. So I think you would have been disappointed with this one too, Dane. <laughs> okay, it's a good thing I didn't pick it up then. There's only four issues, so we'll have to worry about it dragging on too much. So yeah. if I get some fun moments like I got in this issue for the next two, I think it should be pretty good. And I do like the art. The art is definitely something that sticks out. The character models on some panels don't look that great, but the backgrounds and the coloring of this comic is really beautiful so i gotta give it props for that which was um i'm trying to remember the artist's name it's uh giuseppe camucoli <laughs> i'm probably butchering that but <laughs> he's the one who was the main artist on it so there's definitely something that sticks with you and i think it's a good tone for the story that they're setting which is in europe so props to the artist all right well i i guess we're done for our first episode of the year tim yep and episode 99 is done we're yeah. at 100 <laughs> can you believe it wow i don't i don't know how dustin let this go on for so long <laughs> it's probably because he never listened to one episode he's <laughs> <laughs> probably i'm sure they give you know solid critiques of batman 
and we're talking about like I don't know stuff that we couldn't watch when we were kids yeah. <laughs> because our parents wouldn't let us. Um, Not to mention all the times we talked about Jaws and Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, Jaws and Jurassic Park and Star Wars, of course. Uh, um, but, but it's yeah, all it, fun though, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, for us anyway. Yeah, well, at least we can count on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just go over to BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com/slash/BatmanUniverse, or on Twitter. Twitter handle Twitter handle is at Batman Universe. Um, our show's Twitter handle is at Batfans27. Our Twitter handles are at TimG311 and at Dane Says Banana. And you can email the show at Batfans and Outpants at gmail.com. Is that it, Tim? Um, I think it's got a, did you do our Twitter and Facebook? Oh yeah, yeah. Our Twitter handle is at Batfans Podcast and I don't know why you would, but our Facebook page is <laughs> <laughs> at facebook.com slash batfanspodcast. So with that... Another year, no, uh, I don't think any more likes to our Facebook page. We've been at 49 for a long time, so <laughs> we'll see if we'll get to 50 in 2016. Yeah, well, I mean, we got to get an even 50 on that. Yeah, that'd be nice. So, uh, yeah, with that, like we said at the end of every show, we love you, we love you, we love you. So with that, we'll see you guys next time. See you in 2016. Hasta la vista. <laughs> oh, I said I was going to change up a little bit, but goodbye. Yeah. So. <laughs> Gotta go with one of the more popular ones. Every time I think you said it's like goodbye in every single way possible. <laughs>